The information expressed in the following podcast is intended for educational purposes only and was created by and belongs solely to Believe Limited and the Flow podcast and does not necessarily reflect the views of our sponsors. Please speak to your healthcare provider before making any medical decisions. Welcome once again to Flow. I'm here like every month with the great and powerful Sarah Watson, sex therapist, and we want to know, how's your flow? Welcome once again to Flow. Before we do our quick check into normalized menstruation with how we are flowing and what's going on with our blood realities, what is the opposite of flow? We had a quick pre-discussion and we came up with chunky. Clotty. 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 Well, chunky, yes, was number one, but clotty is second. Okay. If we're speaking about flowing menstrual blood, it's not Sure, flowing. it can either be very flowy right. or... Clotty. Clotty. I'm going clotty. And in the extreme cases, we know mm-hmm. clots are common. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. But above a quarter size, not okay. More extreme. More extreme. Correct. Well, we had a little bit of a clotty start today. I just want to share out of gratitude for it takes a village to make a podcast. It takes a village to have a good flow. And it does. It's a group sport to make sure mm-hmm. things are flowing well, to check mm-hmm. in about when they're a little chunky, clotty. Um, shout out to Joshua Sterling Bragg of Bloodstream Media and Believe Limited, who saved our day today. Kay Vermeil. Um, Alex Watson, our new editor. So, oh, yeah, we have another Watson on the team. Alex yes. Watson will be editing. He is Love on the it. job. Hello. And, of course, Keith Corneluck, head of podcasts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amy Board for leading us here, where we are going to get to speak with Jillian Welch, or more mm-hmm. specifically, we already spoke with Jillian Welch, and Sarah and I are going to talk about taking on the new habit of running, because Jillian mm. Welch is a running coach in the UK who also has experienced endometriosis. Mm-hmm. We have much to get into. Real quick, how are you flowing? Non-bleeding, Sarah Non-bleeding, Watson. but probably, you know, I was traveling last month and it jacked everything up, but I think I'm close to ovulation, because I'm feeling... Feeling the things, like things are happening. They're like close. So, but I'm all, I don't, I don't know. You know, I need to figure it out. But I think my body just needs to slow the f- down. Like slowing down is good. Yeah. I'm trying to listen to it. So I will be slowing down after we're done with this podcast today. So. Right, right. I'm drinking a Celsius, so we're going to stay energetic for a little <laughs> bit longer before you get to slow down. Being on a full flow with hormonal, uh-huh. with the IUD. Yeah. Stopping the bleed. Uh-huh. What is the symptom you still experience that lets you know you're ovulating? Uh, it's like really, I want to say medium. No, I'd say like mild to moderate, like little baby cramps. Baby cramps. Baby okay. cramps. Mm-hmm. They're not big, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh, hello. Hello, ovaries. Hello, uterus. Like things are happening. Like or they will be happening. Then this is all like, again, this has only happened since I had my kid. So I never, never felt this before I had her. I would not have any clue unless I was counting on the calendar when I would ovulate. I mean, you can tell like by going cervical through the fluid. Experience. Right, right. You can't. Okay, right. Yeah, right. right. Like you, you can tell. Feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, didn't feel like after it you dent through birth and went through so much attention on that organ and how that organ feels to be in your body, it was just like more ability to feel it. I don't. I, I don't know what it is. 
I think it's just a magical power. I know you have magical powers, Sarah Watson, obviously. I've been leading with them on this show now for going on years, which I'm so grateful for. What it is to check in with someone about how they're flowing monthly. It's a highly recommended action, right? We used to talk all the time about how just talking about your flow helps resolve some issues, learning about how other people are experiencing it. Because we don't have the facts. We don't know why you might feel more of your ovulation post-birth. There haven't been clinical studies that we can point to scientifically. And we are a clinically minded show. Right. We also feel the magic powers Mm -hmm. Uh, that happened during certain times of the cycle. Mm -hmm. I, for one, again, I'm just post-ovulating and felt some some crampy action this time. Oh. I just feel more of like, I'm thinking of myself like a plant. Yeah. And definitely during ovulation, I feel a bit more like, you know. Are you releasing a new leaf with that action that's happening? Yeah. Like it's a... That is the metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of, that action. Yeah. Yeah. Just growing a little bit, you know? That's yeah. I like it. That's my growing sound. Cheers. I can't wait for you to voice an entire animated series. Yes. Oh, geez. Great. That could be hilarious. We're going to think about that during this quick break, and we'll be right back. This ad is brought to you by Von Vendi, Von Willebrand Factor Recombinant. Hi, my name is Nicole. I didn't always feel empowered to speak up for myself or ask for the care and support I needed. Becoming part of a community and hearing other people's experiences helped to change my perspective. That's why my deciding factor is making my voice heard. To hear my story and access other helpful resources, drop by Von Bendy, that's V-O-N-B-E-N-D-I dot com slash patient dash stories. I think we're charming. I feel like a little bit on Celsius, but okay, great. Well, oh, I've had lots of coffee today. I've had a venti coffee plus a coffee here at home. So I've had regular coffee and then Starbucks coffee. So I'm good. Just did you see that TikTok of the woman who did like drank like two Celsiuses and then felt like she was going to space or like she was like having a heart attack? You got to look it up. It's hilarious. It's like scary and hilarious at the same time but like she was like losing her mind she was like what the fuck do they put in these things and like was like (laughs) in like it's so good oh it's so real it's so real totally we're just gonna Mm. assume we're back now yes we both have listened to or i got to talk to jillian you have listened Mm -hmm. to jillian's words i love running and it's funny like as a child i was the the kid that would always skip out on PE, on doing sports at school. Like I probably, the, my teachers probably thought I had maybe two weeks of periods a month because there would, I would always pretend that I was sick or I was ill or I had my period and I couldn't do workouts. And it was only in moving to Canada nine years ago where I wanted to be more fit and more active. And even though the winters here in Toronto are awful, so many people are out running and being active in the snow and the ice and the snowstorms. And so I, I took it up then. And, and that over other sports, I love how it's not just about physical, but it's mental as well. It's just such a good way to get rid of all of the stresses and the frustrations of the day and just focus on me versus me. And I, like I, I'm like a broken record. It's listening to my body and doing what feels good at the, at the moment. And 
it just slowly escalated into me doing all these certifications to learn stuff for myself that then turned into a a, a business and I've been doing it full time now for the last two years but really focusing on the individual it's not a one size fits all and and similar what we're saying in terms of of periods and it, I can't just create one program for one person and have it the same as for someone else it's really listening to what the runner wants and needs and and what their body is able to do and there's just so many facets of running that I'm really enjoying not only as a runner but as a coach and now getting into more of a field of supporting people that main straight and recognizing what's going on in their bodies because I've learned so much for my own knowledge from just knowing that I now have endometriosis and cysts that I can help other people as well like it's it's opened my eyes up to this whole other way of movement and nourishing a body and yeah so I yeah I love I love running I love all things running and now there's just a a little bit of an extra an extra twist in the story with now with my endo diagnosis wow what an inspiration we're gonna talk about why we adore her but also after you listened to her Mm -hmm. I said on the interview that I was gonna go for a run and I just have to confess I did not I went on a walk not a hey, run. you I'm moved not a, your body. I'm not a runner. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, you alluded to, you know, you didn't allude. You said, Sarah's going to want to go for a run after this. And I said, absolutely not, when I was listening to it and started laughing. It's really like, unless I got to save my kid from something, I'm not running. I'm just not going to do okay. it. Just Yeah, unless you're in the Sarah Connor training of like, yeah. for the dystopian future of Terminator. Right. I mean, like, because you never know. Fair. Right. I would train to run to outrun zombies, but I would find me hard pressed to run otherwise. And yet listening to Jillian Welch had mm-hmm. me wanting to run. Not only had him wanting to run, but inspired that I could run even if I'm menstruating, which is something yes. I feel like I've been warned against. And not only if I'm menstruating, but perhaps if I had endo. Yeah. Jillian Amazing. has a story of surviving endo symptoms in mm-hmm. a running career. Mm, it's wild wild yeah I don't think that we get that message right as women that like as you know we get the get back on the horse right as our favorite reference to our favorite comedian comedian um but we don't get that like hey like you can do anything right like if I feel like it would just like be so heavy my uterus well I don't know I know and and so I'm trying to remember from the interview I know you've maybe listened more recently than me yeah she mentioned that it's not about like fighting through pain right it's about working with it's about figuring out how your body wants to move based on that pain right so if you're feeling like heavy right like Mm -hmm. in regards to your uterus like if you're feeling heavy or crampy then maybe you just don't sprint right like move your body Mm. move it and you know she said she said something so funny i'm sure you'll you can pull it but it was like um running is just walking quickly or something along those lines well it's just such a good way to get rid of all of the stresses and the frustrations of the day and just focus on me versus me and i like i'm like a broken record it's 
listening to my body and doing what feels good at the at the moment and it just slowly escalated into me doing all these certifications to learn stuff for myself that then turned into a a, a business and I've been doing it full time now for the last two years but really focusing on the individual it's not a one size fits all and and similar what we're saying in terms of of periods and it, I can't just create one program for one person and have it the same as for someone else it's really listening to what the runner wants and needs and and what their body is able to do and there's just so many facets of running that I'm really enjoying not only as a runner but as a coach and now getting into more of a field of supporting people that main straight and recognizing what's going on in their bodies well and I would love to ask about that I have to say it's it's such a shame our co-host Sarah she's gonna love when we listen to and discuss this interview she constantly says she's not a runner she's not a runner people but after this call after this convo she's gonna be like let's go running I think it's like, yeah. sounds good. It sounds like a good idea. Um, we can appreciate- all run. We can all run. It's just yeah. walking faster. <laughs> That's all. Just different speeds of walking faster. I was like, okay, maybe I could do that. Like, but yeah, these ankles like that. aren't taking it. Yeah. No, not happening. Mm-hmm. Ankles for you. So knees yeah. for me. I can feel it in my knees. Like something mm-hmm. I'm doing is holding my leg incorrectly so that my knees oh. feel some strain. You feel it in your ankles. Yeah. Since I was a teenager, that was like my first, like this is hemophilia stuff, right? So I remember um, probably at summer camp or maybe it was like after eighth grade volleyball or softball or something being like, this does not feel good, right? Mm. Like this isn't great. And I remember like it being pretty painful. Um, And so I just was like, no, I'm not. And I've tried to be a runner. It's cute. Like (laughs) it's cute. I've done a 5K. Never again. How, how, what is a 5K? What does that mean again? So it's like, like so three point miles. something, 3.6. I don't know. It's, okay. it's in kilometers. I don't know. Did you jog it? Did you run it? Did I you ran most it? of it with a friend. It wasn't like a fun one. It was like a color run. So you got like bombed with colors. And it was, nice. it was actually, it was actually a fundraiser for um, HIV awareness in Detroit, which was lovely. And so totally pulled on my heart, like definitely close close to my heartstrings, um, ran with a huge group of women, which was great. But my best friend and I ran together, Dr. Jessica Foley. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And we ran most of it. Um, but it's not my thing. Like just not for me. It's okay. There, there, we should maybe do some content of us running to use in support of this episode. Just, I can film that at some point. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I'm filming right now, too, as well. Oh, fabulous. Mm. Angles. Do you remember? Now I'm thinking of running. Do you remember Friends, the Phoebe run? Do you remember that episode of Friends? What is it? It's like about running like a kid would run, right? There's something about trying to get the right form that always seems. And Jillian talks about this. I'm sure we'll cut away to it. But of what, you know, the form is and how your body is matters. But something about the freedom of just tipping or explosive mm-hmm. running is good for the body and mm-hmm. isn't about necessarily having to do it right so re- like I say this to my running clients all the time that you need to listen to your body because you're the only one that really can hear and feel what is going on with your body and that completely applies here and I'm the only one that knows how I'm feeling so 
leaning into what feels good for me. So what I've discovered recently is having a freezer full of soups and stews and things that are easy to prepare, certainly on day one to day three, because there was a time where I would maybe have a bowl of porridge a day because I felt so bad. I didn't want to get up to prepare food. The thought of food just didn't, I didn't want anything. Whereas now having options and specifically foods that are are warming and I've heard that having things that could warm up the uterus is certainly really helpful at that time. So being prepared in my luteal phase and having a freezer full of delicious things really helps me know that I've got foods available that I can eat that will be nourishing, that will help my cramps, that will just help me feel good. So that is absolutely key, doing meal planning, meal prepping, getting organized. Second is when I know that I'm going to have really bad periods, uh, or certainly when my period is, is coming, is clear my calendar as much as possible and not feeling guilty about binge watching TV shows and really giving myself the space and the time just to re relax and recover and not feel pressured to rush back to work or rush back to life. Um, what else? I think educating myself as well. Like I've done so much reading, listening, learning over the last couple of years since my diagnosis that the more knowledge that I have, I feel like I'm then armed with more in my arsenal to, to know what to do in terms of movement and eating and, and recognizing the different stages that my body is going through. Like for movement, I certainly as a runner, I felt as though that my running career was over, that I wouldn't be able to do running like I used to do it. But it's again listening to my body and there's certain phases of my cycle that running is the best thing for me and then there's other times where some really gentle stretching or yoga or just something really gentle and again just leaning into what my body needs at that time to just throw everything out the window of what I thought I knew and now just really going internally and just figuring out what I need when I need it and certainly with endometriosis everyone's experience is different uh, or with any any condition PCOS um, cysts even just periods in general everyone's is different so it's working out what works best for the individual so what works best for me might not work for you and a variation of it might work for someone else so it's find out what I need um yeah, that would probably be my key things, like listening to my body, filling up the freezer, um, being really kind to myself and moving however feels good and reading and listening and learning to to recognize what's what's going on in my body and what I can do to, to help it even more. Yeah. Have you watched Kids Run lately? It's hilarious. No, what is your little one like? Well, she's really fast. Really fast. Yeah, she's like a – like I – and I'm not just saying this because she's my kid. Like she's actually just legitimately a very fast runner. 
Um, mm. I don't know how long she'll last being a fast runner, but she kills it. Um, but there are other members of my family that may not run like that. And we all know that that, that one is not the athletic runner. She's more like me and her mom. Um, my niece, she doesn't listen to this, so I will say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's only eight, uh, but she's not a runner, gotcha. but... Yeah. And then watching kids on the playground when they get out of school, it's holy. I mean, it's very funny because some of them are really fast and some of them are like, just like, what happened to you? Like, what is going on in your body? Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. Like, it's just hilarious. Yeah. Do you, do you, what time of day is it that you see people run in your, in your area of the world in Michigan? Oh, well, it depends on the weather here, right? Like, so this morning, um, we have some runners in our neighborhood. And so they're either usually morning or dusk, like before dusk. Um, but in the summer, it's definitely earlier because it gets pretty hot and humid here. Um, so it's yeah, usually morning, usually morning. Saw someone right. today. She was just chugging along I was, and good for her. It's amazing when, when folks are seem to like be in that zone. Like I, I haven't hit a runner's wall, but I can understand in theory the idea of like if they can just get to that pace then yeah. they're just kind of their like, machines just moving. It's like a car going. People are just, yeah. Oh, the ground seems to be moving faster underneath them. It's exciting. I can see yeah. that, but I don't yeah. necessarily experience it. I did. I think um, when she was talking about like how she takes care of herself when she's feeling, did she call it a flare? What I don't know what she called it though. Like, um, she didn't call it a flare up, but she was talking about like having her refrigerator, like or her freezer stocked with like soups and things like that. And I thought that was just such she. She said something that warmed her uterus, and I just really loved how she said that. Like, how do you take care of your body when you are right? Like, so obviously, movement is taking care of your body, um, which is lovely. But also, how are you nourishing your body when you are going through extreme bleeding? Right. Really important. What is going to feel good, right? And not feel weighed down anymore or cause pain or gas. I would say that's not fun to feel as well. Bloated. Mm. 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 Well, you're talking about being prepared. And that's what she was talking about, too, right? Being able to be prepared. The fact that so many times an extreme condition of menstruation or extreme moment of menstruation can feel like we're we don't have the responsibility, the -hmm. ability to respond to the need of it. Either it's too much blood, we're not prepared. But if we can anticipate an extreme condition if we can have if we can be preppers for extreme menstrual moments right then having things ready to go almost automated what you need nutrient wise in your freezer so you don't have to mm-hmm. even procure it knowing that you have in your bathroom a stack of the kind of pads or period underwear safe kind that you might mm-hmm. need or want available so you don't have to be placing an order or asking a family member to support later but getting ahead of your own schedule i mean this is why menstruators are we're the inventors of the calendar yes we track to be ahead Mm -hmm. of anticipating the first day of menstruation which is the first day of a new cycle Mm -hmm. yeah i would yeah just prepared is our superpower I love, yeah. And it's like, uh, well, you know, and my other thought, the other, the flip side of that is like, of course we have to prepare for something else as women, right? Like we already have the mental load of like just being a woman in this world, but let alone like preparing to take care of yourself, right? Like to have that stocked, to have every, like to think ahead. Okay. We already have to, we're always thinking ahead. I think as women of like, how can we make sure we're okay here? Do I have water? Do I have this? Do I have that? Do I'm, am I wearing the right thing? Um, 
and then I think, you know, I had a recent story of uh, a friend I was, uh, the, the, and she would be okay with me sharing this. I'm sure her, um, the owner of my gym where she, um, she like ran and she's like, Oh, and she came back and she's like, I just started my period everywhere. And she's like, and then I had to call my husband to, and who also, her husband also trains us at the gym and, um, he had to like bring her pants. And then she asked for a specific box of tampons and he went to three different stores looking for, I just snorted. He went to three different stores. That was so sweet. It was like so endearing that it made you snort. Was really I was like, oh my so God, sweet. I love him. A like, man diff- going to three different stores, make it normal. Yes. Yes. That, but but also he went to three different stores because he was looking for something that didn't exist. So based on the color system of the size of tampons, right? So again, oh, can we normalize okay. like, hey, even if we if we're not prepared, how to ask for right? And they should all know what we're asking for, right? If your partner should know. Yeah. Well, and going mm-hmm. back to like you're saying, we already have to deal with so much as women. It's like yeah, but to go back to baseline. All yeah. humans need to know where a clean water source is, need to yes. know where they can release defecation and mm-hmm. urine safely, need to know where their food is, need to know shell, like all these things. Yeah. The idea that menstruation is extra as opposed to just part of those, that's part of the baseline. That's yeah. part of the baseline for everyone, yep. whether or not you menstruate. Just mm-hmm. like it's a vital sign, just like a blood pressure for a doctor to check menstrual reality. Right. Every human should know that caring for blood coming out of a body is normal. a normal thing. It's one of the amazing things about acceptance of menstruation within the bleeding disorders community because Mm -hmm. blood is not seen as shameful because Mm -mm. interacting with extreme blood is part of reality. Mm -hmm. Menstruation kind of gets like a pass of like, it's okay because we also understand it's a totally different system, a totally different kind of acceptance or no, you're giving me a face. I'm giving you the face because I have just, I I don't think so. Um, I have heard from partners and the um, people that menstruate themselves that I don't think that that's always the outlook. I think it depends on the relationship that the person has with their own body and the fact that they, if they do have a bleeding disorder, what that means for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. can be, you know, there we hear so often in our community, right, of people being diagnosed much, uh, women, menstruators, being diagnosed much later in life, like having a kid with a bleeding disorder if they are having a child and then knowing that, oh, okay, now it is. But they had like this other relationship with, oh, I have all of this bleeding and it's ridiculous and I'm frustrated with it and it looks like a murder scene. I mean, I've said that before, right, where These are how these are the experiences that women have, and that's how they describe it. It looks like a murder scene. So I think it depends. More period horror films to explain menstruation. No, okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. okay, yes. Side note, side note, side note. Other project. Yes, Um, yes, yes. but yeah, I think it depends on the person, their relationship to it, and I don't know if people that don't menstruate are really understanding what that means because we've been conditioned to just take care of it and hide it, right? You were talking about with Jillian, like, don't, you know, you don't need to put the tampon up your sleeve to hide it. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, right. Right. And that's, I guess, like, I know that there are some non-menstruators who experience nosebleeds and have been offered tampons to resolve it, which I mm. guess is like, this is the bridge I'm trying to make that the, because that has to be okay, because in the crisis moment, whatever works is okay. Right. There's the potential for there to be less uh, shame stigma. There's the potential for it. Yeah. There's also like an understanding of coping with cotton for blood. Yes. Yes. I think we have a long 
unfortunate road to keep going down. I don't think we're there yet. No, but we didn't come this far to only come this far. Being British, it's definitely uncomfortable talking about bodily things, but I think it's really important especially given that I am in the running community to talk about these things because I didn't know what was happening to me. So if me talking about it helps women be like, oh, actually, yeah, my period is really sore too. And then hopefully go and yeah, see someone or, or explore a little bit more about what's going on in their body, then I'd rather be uncomfortable for half an hour talking about it than the not and I think yeah we need to have more conversations as society on, on what's going on in our bodies and get rid of the the stigma or the the embarrassment of of what we're experiencing because we're all people we're all human and it's very likely that there's at least one other person out there that has similar symptoms so and thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. And yeah, happy to chat further at any time in the future. Really? Okay, great. We'll schedule some more with the, um, what's hilarious, wait, you mentioned being British. And yes, the shame or the the etiquette of not discussing bodily function versus, oh. I'm, I'm quite comfortable myself talking about the blood, something I didn't learn shame about. So here I am. But so what, it's fun to learn like the little ways we don't talk about it. Were there any little, how would you describe, if you didn't want to say it publicly, what was the, not to make you sp speak for all of Britain, but what was the British way to demurely acknowledge bodily function, such as a period? Is there any phrase? Certainly in the UK, I would have called it my time in the month. That's how I would indicate that I was on my period, but I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't even go to the pharmacy um, or like a CVS equivalent. I wouldn't even go with a friend to go and buy pads. I would huh. buy pads by myself, and often I would then load up my basket with other things on top of the pads so nobody would see. And it wasn't like I was buying like super, super, super heavy flow pads. It was just like regular medium flow, but I was still embarrassed by. Why, why would the super be more embarrassing? I love it. It's so hilarious, right? Why would the super be more embarrassing? I don't, I don't know. And I, well, am I then putting two or three layers of stuff on top of the pads versus just one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, it never even occurred to me to question why I would have thought that would have been more embarrassing. But it, yeah, it just, it, it wasn't a thing. Like, yeah, I, I just, yeah. I would never talk to anybody about it or, or like if, if I was out somewhere and my period came on or I needed a new product, it would be done quietly. Like I remember being at a, a job a few years ago and my period came on and I didn't expect it. So I'd gone to the bathroom to get uh, a pad from the, the vending machine and the machines gobbled up my money and didn't give me a product out. So then I went to the next washroom and again, same thing happened. So I'd lost two amounts of money and didn't have any products. And I went up to the receptionist who I knew and I was like, this is really embarrassing, but like the machine stole my money. Like, do you have any behind the desk? And this was only maybe four years ago. I'm still embarrassed to ask another human that will have had periods 
if they had something behind their desk. It just, yeah, it was just always for me something that was a bit more hush hush. Hush hush. Yes, it's funny. And we I've, I've spoken recently to some menstrual advocates about how it is naturally occurring blood. It's funny that that makes us so uncomfortable, like un, un, unnaturally occurring blood, like violent occurring blood would be unsettling. But this is weird, right? Yeah. Just yeah. Blood. And yeah. I was reading about how the contraception pill, when it came in, um, when it was mainstream, at that point, there wasn't the bleed um, it was you took your pills there was nothing or or maybe you, you took the pills continuously but it was unsettling for people when there wasn't any blood so women weren't taking it yeah there is the stigma around bleeding on your period but yet it was added into contraception pills because it was seen as strange to not have a bleed huh. weird huh. very weird <laughs> We need we need the bleed to be there and be ashamed of it as women. That's the we need it to be there, but also be ashamed of it. That's the well. Lesson. We need all this guilt and shame and yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> it is yeah, it's, it is wild, isn't it? How we've just for generations it's been something that's had to be hidden away or being ashamed of or not to be discussed. I like that it's now something that is more wide widely talked about and shared and um yeah hopefully there are more generations now that it's just completely normal to talk to your friends and go shopping to buy products and not be embarrassed and um yeah yeah ask a dude a- receptionist for a pad too to be like hey yes. you guys have any supplies back there that's the world <gasps> oh i wouldn't i don't even i would have probably gone to the supermarket before asking a dude yeah i, I wouldn't have even no, if there was a guy on reception, nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. See, that's the news. And then there'd be that's times what... where, sorry. No, please. Go ahead. I was going to say, there'd be times where I'd roll up uh, a pad in the small amount as possible so it couldn't then be seen if you were holding it. Like you might see the bright green peeking through the top of your hand, but it would be scrunched up so small. So then when you're walking to the washroom, no one would know it was there. <laughs> Sure, sure. I should like tampon up the sleeve, the tampon up the sleeve situation. No one's gonna see. It's wild. (laughs) Sarah can talk about her little ones and how she asks them to help pass her pads and how, yeah, there's a lot more of that youth education happening. So it will be a new world. We'll be, we'll be foreign to the new world at that time. I know that would, that would be nice. And so much of it is mindset, certainly in the just women not believing that they that they can do things or that they're good enough to put themselves and their goals and their dreams first and certainly women that are mothers and just don't don't give themselves time to to do these things but there's just so much in yeah, going out and achieving your goals and believing that you can do things that you never thought you possibly could. And like you said, like trying things that perhaps you enjoyed as a, a kid, but then over time you just stopped doing them or yeah, had pain, period pains and weren't able to do it. And there's just, 
yeah, life's too short. Why not just go after your dreams? Try everything that you possibly can and just enjoy stuff. So um, do you think it's almost like it's about knowing your limits? What could we, we could foster the convo around like pushing through what you think are limits, but also knowing yourself enough to cut yourself slack from, you know, because the athletic pushed, Olympian push to always be the best doesn't speak to the menstrual experience. Just the balance. Like, yeah. Again, it's, it's listening to your body. I always say never to listen to your mind, but to listen to your body because the mind will it's a little trickster and it will convince you to not go out for the run. It will convince you to pull back on your pace. It will convince you that you're not good enough to go after this goal of running a 5K or a marathon, what it is. But it's listening to your body because the body, it's designed to tell you what to do and how to do things. And yeah, listening to, to what it's telling you in the moment. Can you push a little bit more? Do you need to ease off? And like I said earlier, like you're the only one that knows what's going on in your, your body. So it's really just being tuned into that and just ignoring what's said up here. Like here is just a bullshit liar. It's <laughs> getting into your body and having fun with it. Because when you have fun with things, that's when your shoulders come down, you relax more, you just enjoy the whole process and it just feels so much better than if you're like, oh, I need to run really fast. Oh my God, I'm not hitting the times. Oh, panic stations and all that shit comes with it. We are going to continue talking about it, right? Like it's normal. We all came from someone who menstruated. Yeah. Right. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. I've been thinking about that. We've been doing this for months now too. Like, right, we, we gotta keep it. It's like a, it's like a yeah. good song now. You just gotta repeat the chorus. It's normal. Bleeding is normal. Take care of your menstruation. Do whatever you need to do. Menstruation mm -hmm. normal. Remix yeah. this. <laughs> it's our new theme song. Oh, she was blown off by some physicians. So, what was your diagnosis like? If we can take a moment for it, I know we're almost at time. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, it wasn't like I was going for tests specifically to do with my period. It was I just had a lot of bunch of things going on. My doctor just dismissed it all, said it'll be fine. You're just stressed. You've got flu and all of these things just just so happened to happen at the same time. And then it happened again about six months later. And I was like, right, no, I want some tests. Send me for all the tests you possibly can. So I went for hearing tests, eyesight tests. Uh, three different types of ultrasounds, x-rays, oh, wow. blood tests, you name it. Whatever was free <laughs> from oh. the Canadian system is what I what I went for. And my experience of finding out that I had endo and cysts, I got an email from my doctor saying the ultrasound results have come in. Um, it looks like you've got uh, some cysts and endometriosis. And that was it. There was no, you're going to be fine. Here are some resources. Mm. I, this was the first time that I'd heard of endometriosis and cysts. Mm. So my brain initially went, oh my God, I've got cancer. I'm going to die. I had no idea at all. Um, so it, it was, it was quite scary. It was. And it wasn't until, well, like I went back to her and I thought, well, what does this mean? Um, 
it wasn't until I went to see a naturopath who got the ultrasound results from my doctor and she was able to explain it a little bit more to me and it my doctor really did kind of downplay what I had it turns out I've um, I do have cysts on both sides on on both my ovaries but on my right ovary it has become immobile because there's an endometrial lesion or adhesion so I've always had this or not always like over the last five years I've had this kind of tugging on my right hand side not knowing what it was but it's because well our ovaries are supposed to just be kind of floating around in there but mine's is stuck because of the endometriosis but yeah so my naturopath was fantastic and was able to kind of give me more information about what the ultrasound results mean and from that point onwards I was really just trying to educate myself because I felt a little let down by my doctor and I was constantly just advocating for myself like I want some more ultrasounds please I want to see if there are more cysts if things have grown can you send me to some specialists it was me driving the conversation. Without that, I don't think I would be where I am today, just in in my fight, in my in the fire in my belly to to have answers and to stop being in this pity party state of mind that I was in for quite some time. Now I, like I said, I'm I read constantly to to figure out what I can do to support myself because I've not really had great experience with the specialists. Everyone has said, take progesterone, off you go on your way. Mm. But no one's ever done a, a hormone test on me to check mm. to see if the hormone, if, if progesterone is out of whack. It could be that the um, estrogen's too high. So in taking progesterone, then yes, okay, it's maybe in line with the estrogen, but then if estrogen and progesterone are now high, then things are going to get even crazier. So I've, I don't want to say I've, I've lost faith in the medical system, but certainly this has made me question things more than I have. Like this is my first health challenge that I've had as an adult. So it's really just been a journey to learn as much as I can to support myself, to then know what questions to ask, to know what supplements would be probably good for me to take at different times of my cycle and really just do do me, just learn what I can for myself because yeah, my doctor hasn't been great and one of the specialists that I went to gave me 90 seconds of his time. What? He called me, he called me, gave me 90 seconds. And in that time, I maybe said five words to him because he was so patronizing and being like, yep, no, this is what you need. Your, your case is like super simple, open, close case. Here's pro progesterone. What's your pharmacy? Okay. Like go collect the the prescription. Like it's super basic. Like you don't need to worry about this stuff. Okay, yes, maybe my what I've currently got is considered mild. I don't know, but he was such an ass. <laughs> such an ass. Such an ass. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely something missing. There's a bridge we hope these conversations continue to explore. We do talk to clinicians sometimes. We talk to those working to make sure that they can disseminate knowledge they have to others who are not as informed. Because clearly in the medical sector, a vast majority of people, women included, but male-leaning um, providers are not informed, are not informed about the kind of space that needs to be open for dialogue to actually investigate the period. The period is a vital sign. It's not treated as one, but like the heart rate or blood pressure, it is a vital sign indicative yeah. of so much. And yeah, that guy's... A and child. the fact that, certainly for endometriosis, everyone's experience of it is so different. Like even the experts struggle with it at mm-hmm. times. Like I was reading a book and it was a, a conference for endospecialists so doctors, surgeons, all of that kind of stuff. And the facilitator had a bunch of different photos of, I guess, innards. And the doctors were asked to raise their hand when they could spot endo lesions or that th- this patient would have um, endo challenges. So hands were going up and down throughout the, the different pictures. And it turns out all of the pictures did indicate like the the patient did have endometriosis so even the experts because it just looks so different it's not a yes I can do this blood test and I know that you have it or yes I can open you up and have a look inside and yes I know for certain that that's what endo is because it is so different and it's not just for for people that don't identify as women there are also men and people that identify as men that have endo as well it's just that women because of our hormone fluctuations throughout our cycle it's worse for us like guys their hormone cycle is 24 hours so it's not as bad for them but they do it has been found endometriosis endometriosis has been found in in guys as well but it's just so vastly different for everyone it's hard so even those experts don't always have the answers and that's the people that are up to date on what's what's going on like a, a general practitioner doesn't have all the answers like they can't have all the answers about everything and they certainly aren't going to find more answers by spending 90 seconds on a call it is so 90 nuts. seconds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is Sorry. we are dealing in two different healthcare systems you this is part of the is is that the case with other specialist experiences or has that been siloed in the reproductive so um i've seen two specialists in ontario canada mm-hmm. and they were vastly different and um, both mm-hmm. for the endometriosis my my doctor mm-hmm. had sent me to one specialist, but her wait list was a year. So then she sent me to this other guy and the other guy was the 90 seconds guy. Um, so the the female specialist, yeah. she gave me maybe 45 minutes of her time, but so she was better. So yeah, I'm, I'm maybe um, yeah, just a showcase in the worst, the worst case scenario, but she was better. However, the end results that she was giving me was still the pretty much exactly the same as the guy she Mm. gave me a progesterone prescription again with not checking my my hormone levels or doing any tests other than looking at the ultrasound that I had initially that showed that I had cysts that that was all that she was going on so it's 
it's, it is still disappointing that there isn't more in the kind of mainstream medical field. Like if I was to pay out of pocket, I can get so many more other tests and mm. have much more, um, much, much greater insight into what is going on in my body. But just the way it currently is in Ontario, probably Canada wide, there's just not that, not those resources available. Um but yeah, the, the medical system, certainly after uh, uh, COVID and the, the pandemic, wait lists are just huge to get, get to see people in the first place. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it's like in the US. I'm assuming it's probably similar. Yeah. Oh, it's weird out here. <laughs> it's just yeah. weird. I mean, it's dead stuff. Yeah. We can get in places now, but but the kind, the kind of care you receive or if your insurance will cover it is still a game of advocacy to the max. Being able to speak mm-hmm. up for oneself is yeah. like a life or and death. And it's hard thing. when yeah. when you're in pain or or I guess you're just chronic pain. It's hard to speak up for yourself. And if you're trusting mm. in someone in a white coat and you're trusting that they are doing the best that they can for you, it's hard to speak up for yourself. Like like I said, I've been in a pity party for quite a while thinking that this was my, the luck of my draw and that I would be in pain or discomfort for two to, well, one to two weeks a month. Mm. And it's only been in trying to learn a little bit more and, and yeah, speak up for myself that I've been able to get a few more answers and understand things a bit more. But being in chronic pain, it's hard to, to shout and ask for all these tests and be put on wait lists and it's yeah it's a bit broken oh that got me heated yes how she had 90 seconds she she kept saying she that doctor gave her 90 seconds of his i'm assuming his time i think it was a male physician one would uh, okay i'm sure to say that but like okay her physician let's try that again her physician gave 90 seconds of time and basically kind of sent her on her way and it's not normal like the fact that she had to continue to advocate for herself, which I think our, you know, the bleeding disorders community is so familiar with. And I think people that menstruate in general are used to having to advocate for ourselves when physicians are not trained. And that you, if you have a feeling about a physician and you are not feeling heard or understood, it is time to find another person. Physician, and I realize that's a privileged thing to say, and you may not have someone else to see. But if you can hop on the internet, you can do some research and try to find someone else, or how to advocate for yourself when you are in the room with a physician. And I'll throw back to Dr. Yusi when she was on with us, right? She talked about, and I just was like, this is so brilliant, right? Like, bring someone with you, right? When just because they're a physician doesn't mean that, you know, they're the expert in endo. They're probably not. So bring somebody with you. Advocate for yourself. But physicians should always give you more than 90 seconds of their time. Yes. Give you room to ask questions. Yes. Give you space and time to digest the information they may be delivering. I mean, this is the structural change that is needed, right? Is not – we can comp- – can comprehend compassion for physicians physicians being busy or not yes. perhaps having complete training on everything. All they need to be aware of is that they might not be aware of something. And then on the other hand, it's like the way that all doctors would know you don't leave a patient who's thirsty without water. You don't leave a 
patient who's menstruating extremely without a resolution. You don't leave them with that's just normal. You don't leave someone who's dehydrated with, well, you just have to kind of deal with that now. You'd yeah. know to bring water. You'd know to respond. Something about structurally understanding that baseline again. It's a baseline health point needs to be adopted. Yeah, I was just saying, but that's not adopted here, right? Like, it's just not, um, unfortunately. And again, that's why I would advocate, like, do your research, see who's in the area, right? Whether it's endo, whether it's perimenopause, menopause, like what's going on? If you're feeling all of these changes in your body, make sure you're speaking to someone who is listening, actively listening to you. And yes, we love our physicians. I'm not dogging them, but they're all not specialists. And I know you only have X amount of time. And I know you only have X amount of time to see a client. I get it. I know those CPT codes myself. Um, but, you know, get on it, right? Like take care of yourselves and physicians learn more. Physicians learn more. And like you're saying, a call to arms to learn yourself, to advocate for yourself. That is just a necessary part of things in our world here in America to become more educated. Luckily, there are activists and people we've had on this show who are running programs like Girology yes. or... Um, Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting. Like Gurology and um, period.org and so many organizations, we'll list them in the show notes that we've had on this show who are out there to help educate. So even if your physician only has 90 seconds, follow up with some of these free resources. Yes. Connect with people who can connect you with physicians in your area who are able to respond to your needs. Don't get left out even when the door is closed on what you're claiming, what your pain is. If your pain, right. if you're exclaiming your pain and you're not getting a response, continue to find a way. We will list in these show notes some of those organizations. <laughs> we'll be back next year with so much more flow, a smooth flow. And even if there's cloudy flow, we'll be here to talk about it. Right, Sarah? Absolutely. We love all the flows. Wow. Well, I'm going to go for a run now. What? This has been so inspiring. <laughs> I might need to approach you for remote coaching in the future. That was... Well, it's all Oriented. online that I do. It's all okay. online. And yeah, it's so I do the running, I do the nutrition, but also the mindset piece because the mindset is just so, so big. Um, all those paradigms, all that, that comfort zone, the brain is just trying to keep you in, but just helping, yeah, helping women worldwide believe in themselves and achieve things they never thought possible. Women worldwide, yes. And where can women worldwide find you? So it's gmaxspur underscore coaching on Instagram or Facebook or my website gmaxspur.com. So it's spur with two R's. That's S-P-U-R-R. U-R-R. So G-M-A-C-S-P-U-R-R. Flow is produced by Bloodstream Media. Big shout out to our creative director, Amy Board, and to our editor, Alex Watson. New episodes will be available the second Thursday of every month. Hey, that's the day after I start menstruating. <laughs>